It's the Benz Brunani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this Baby sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea we are go sipping yo Hard time scrolling for your long shorts You might learn something you never know Could let you find And she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you mind This world is not my own just passing through the heavens not my home then Lord what will I do the angels beckon me through heavens open doors and I can't feel at home in this world anymore well 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 i guess we're doing this again aren't we we're we're doing this again recording and it's me kalechi in the place to be and you are listening to the very very few episodes that are left of S-Y-M, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What, that's right, suck your mum. And um, yeah, better just get into it. Um, how do I feel? Well, I've forgetting about how I feel. I've brought my, finally put my awards up, well, the awards that I have at the office. So Cultural Hero of the Year as well as the Limitless Black Influence Awards, Politics 2023, Kalechi Okafor, the winner. So heavy on the award winning is really what I want to say. There are other awards at the Pulse Studio, but I thought it would be nice to actually have some awards at the office as well. Um, Next to my book, Edge of Here. So they're going to send that award winning energy to Edge of Here as well, because baby, it needs it. Okay. Um, it's been an interesting old time. I'm very pleased that, um, what was I going to say? That Saturn has stationed direct in Pisces, which means that I feel like I can write again. I don't know, because while Saturn was retrograde, I just couldn't. I just couldn't. I cannot. But uh, now I was just, and I love writing at night. It must be my Mercury in Scorpio. Fam, I love it, like I was up at 1am and I was just like, yeah, this is my time to write. And it was flowing, you know, words have a flow. So yeah, I'm happy that I'm getting that done. And then there's another piece of work that I need to get done. And then after that, I might just do a juicy little collection of essays, you know, just, you know, nonfiction, just talking up the things and don't bid on it. Don't ask me about it. If you're a publisher listening to this, don't ask me about it if you know that you can't do what needs to be done when it's time to do it. Yeah? Because let me tell you, publishing has jaded me. Jesus Christ. Yuck. The world of publishing is so antiquated, so draconian. If I start speaking, I fear I will never stop. Every time I'm having to deal with certain things, I just feel a rage in my chest because I'm just like, it actually doesn't need to be like this because there's a simpler way to do this. But you live and you motherfucking learn, baby. But overall, I'm glad um, for the people that I get to work with. I just 
get irritated by institutions and institutional practices. But there are many things to come and I'm very, very excited to be transitioning into another phase of making the kind of content that I want to make in more private realms. Um, I just feel like it will allow for a vulnerability that I have to guard so diligently and so fiercely in the public online spaces. And I deserve better than that because at the end of the day, like I'm always saying, I'm just a baby girl. Just a baby girl in a baby world. For those who don't actually know the song, you'll think that song is out of tune and it's not. That's how it's sung. So you should get with the program. Um, Well, I oh, not me hitting the mic. There isn't much to say apart from the fact that I've had a pretty, like my last week was pretty cute. I went to watch Past Lives. It was really good. Um, I felt like the pacing was laboured, but I don't know if that's maybe a cultural thing that I was missing. But the the pace of the film was a bit ugh for me. I feel like it's the kind of film that I would like to watch, you know, on the sofa with a blanket over me, some snacks, you know, like really getting into it, maybe some candles, that sort of vibe. Like, I think that I would enjoy it then. But I was fighting for my life to stay awake. I'm just going to have to be honest. Because I feel like with my directorial hat on, there were just certain things I would have shifted timeline wise. I just felt like it dragged on. But maybe the dragging on was to show how time dragged on between these two um, characters. So basically they grew up in Korea together and at the age of 12, um, she moves away. The girl moves away to Canada and then after 12 years, they connect again and I, they connect again. And then after those 12 years, then they meet up again for the first time after all of those years, basically like tw- almost 24 years or something. And it was interesting to me because what transition, uh, what transits happen, which planetary transits take 12 years, Jupiter. And then Jupiter also rules like travel and like far away places. If you think about um, Sagittarius, um, and yeah, I guess Sagittarius. And if you think about Pisces, like it likes far away places. So it's interesting that it was a 12 year cycle that they were working with. Um, you know, astrology just finds you everywhere. And on that note, Wagga Wagga girls that like to make um, content about how bad the occult is and how bad... I feel like I'm late, like even laboring this point, but I just felt like it needed to be said because conversations were happening online about it last week. And I really just tried to stay out of it because if I speak, <laughs> everything shut down. So I just thought, let me just not. But I did want to say that there is a duality to everything in life. Like the same energy that can allow for creation can also allow for destruction, you know, if water is great it hydrates us it helps some of us to bathe and to wash our legs and also to like cook and whatever else like water it helps the plants it's just wonderful right water is great but water can water can also cause like floods and tsunamis and all of these things fire is wonderful because it helps us to cook our food you know it keeps us warm um it helps us to purify things and change something from one state to another Fire is wonderful, but fire can also burn. You see where I'm going with this? The most natural elements in our environment 
hat can do really great things and can also do really bad things. It comes down to what they are used for. So I say this because some of you are just like rotten in your left breast. Yeah. In your heart, in our heart, in our heart, in your heart, you're rotten. So any form of divination that you touch, whether it be a Bible, whether it be a tarot deck, heck, whether it's a knife and a fork or a spoon, you will only know how to use it for bad because you are a nasty piece of shit. That's what you're failing to understand. Because yoga, for instance, is an incredible ancient practice. But then when them white yoga pant wearing um, lot those colonizers rolled up, yoga became something else. Okay. So Christianity, great concept, brilliant concept, right? This radical man born of God. Also, why did, why did the, why did the conception have to be immaculate? Why couldn't Joseph and Mary had done foot upon shoulder and Jesus was a result of that and it still be equally as wonderful, like wonderful? But that's by the by. I understand the story and why it needed to be God and blah, 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 blah. But I just think it, it that also roots into why people feel so much shame around sex because God um, didn't, like Jesus wasn't conceived apparently through sex. So therefore sex is bad, right? Anyway, that's just by the by. But what I wanted to say is Christianity, great concept. This radical man that was out there flipping tables, turning water into the wine and, you know, hanging out with them hoes. You know, he was having a great time um, washing the man them's feet. Like, you know, Last Supper. Who cooked the Last Supper? That's actually the name of a book. You should look into it. Um, but the Last Supper was also a ritual is what I want to draw your attention to as well. Here's my body. This is my body broken for you. Take it and eat it. Then you will see. Something, something. That I, I, you are alive in me. Yeah, you know. And then this is my blood poured out for you. Do not forget me. That, that You know? No. Of all the things that Catholic school did to me, what it did do to me is gave me bang girls. Yeah. It gave me, well, no, the Vatican is in like Italy, isn't it? How would I say it in Italian? Um, I'll think about that. Bangers. I don't really know Italian like that. Not that I know French either. We'll think about it. Yeah. Bangor Mosso. Catholic school gave me bangere mosso. You have bangers in France and we have bangere mosso. Oh, is that Spanish? Anyway, you get what I mean anyway. But, you know, Catholic school gave us some tunes. I would like some of these Catholic tunes with dance hall beats in the back. Oi, oi. It'll be sick. It'll be sick. I want a dance hall kind of version of our favorite Christmas songs from Catholic school, yo, that would go off. It would absolutely go off. Yeah. Kelechi's Christmas carols, all spelt with a K. Oi! Why am I such a genius? For fuck's sake. For fuck's sake. Imagine being such a genius and then stuck on earth with Suella Braverman and Boris Johnson and Keir Starmer. I'm going to throw that in there as well. Um, Anyway, what was I saying before? 
the fact that like Christian Christianity is a great concept, but then the Bible was also used, right? To enslave people, to justify colonialism. And, you know, there are priests now, well, lots of priests who are facing historic uh, cases, rampant, vast historic cases of trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning, raping children uh, everywhere. Over the centuries, over the decades, just raping children. But here you are still shouting up and down about Christianity. You see what I'm saying? Because what I'm saying is that let's all face our front. That's all I'm saying. If something, if you don't like it, you don't have to. Like just face your front and focus on what you want to do. But just keep other things out of your mouth is what I'm saying. Because clearly people are lacking the critical uh, critical thinking skills to understand that there are dualities and multiplicities in a lot of the kind of practices that we all choose to engage with. And it's funny because for me, I'm just a little bit of a buffet babe. I, I am interested in many truths. I am interested in on a closer, in a closer relationship with the divine. And I'm willing to understand, read up and learn about the many paths that other people have taken to get there. Um, That's just my vibe. But I just come back to to the point that I was trying to make, which is that a candle is a candle and a tarot deck is a tarot deck. They're just there minding their business. Your energy, your energy is what decides what happens with that candle and that tarot deck. Yeah. Astrology, the moon, stars, planets, minding their business. How you choose to understand what's going on, that's your personal problem. And I remind you all of the time that self-governance and autonomy is the key to why we are here. Not to follow dogma and not to follow practices and indoctrinations that take us away from our own divinity. That's why I love seeing everybody out on road shouting free Palestine. I'm loving the fact that I'm having to sit here and learn as much as I can about cobalt and um, what that means for the Democratic Republic of Congo. Like I am doing my readings and I'm doing my learnings, God damn it, because I'll be damned if I'll be a raggedy bitch like some of you lot that fail to understand all of the things, all of the other things that's happening in your world. And you're so dogmatic is the best word for you. So myopic in your outlook that you serve nobody, not even the God that you claim to serve. So it feels like that's the third week in a row of dragging, just general but I wish for the Nigerian God, God girlies to do better, honestly, because no, actually let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it, baby. Oh, my final point. You lot love a bust down. <laughs> you lot love a hair that is human. You want that 20 inch, the 24, the 32. Ooh. You love a bust down. You love your your waves, your locks to be flowing, tickling your ass crack. You love it. Then you'll dye it and you'll make a whole show, a whole shebang of going and having it glued onto your forehead. You fucking love it. Pray tell, darling, my darlings. Ooh, my glued up darlings. Jesus of the lace fronts. Where do they get the hair from? How's the hair sourced? Temples come to mind. Women in the global south shaving their heads and provide. Do you, you're not concerned about that? Because we say uh, um, Oriwa, Ori, the Ori, the Chi 
sits at the top of your head, right? So that's your crown chakra, all of them things. You can't just let anybody be touching your head top, right? Or putting anything on your head top. But you don't mind that to assimilate to Eurocentric beauty standards. You don't mind that where wherever the hair's gathered from, what's done to it, all the energy that that holds. You don't mind that. But it's a deck of 78 cards. It's the moon and the stars and the planets that you have a problem with. Can you see where I'm going with this? You sound ridiculous. Ridiculoso, as they would say in Italy. Let that be the last time I have to address this subject. Because if I have to address anybody directly, (laughs) it will be a happy day in hell. Anyway, I like honestly, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. I just find it so boring. I find talking to people that aren't, and this is going to sound mad egocentric or like, but I don't care at this point. Let's all speak our truth. I find it really exhausting and boring to speak to people who aren't as intelligent as I am. And I'm not even saying that I'm wildly intelligent, but there are just certain, certain things that I know really, really well. A lot of things that I don't know well at all, but there are certain things, specific subjects that I know a lot about. And I know a lot about them and I humble myself even with knowing all of these things because I think that those who know do not speak and those who speak do not know, right? So I just try and mind my business, face my front. But when people want to be wrong and strong, it's like you just want to correct. But at the same time, you're like, actually, this is exhausting because you're not actually going to learn anything. You're stuck thinking about the way that you think about life, the way that you think about life and you're not going to change it. It's the same way I feel about racism. It's the same way I feel about patriarchy. There are just certain people, certain groups of people I'm not willing to engage in conversation with because it will just be exhausting because they're not going to change their views. You're not actually a Christian. You're a white supremacist in black skin. Think about that. Um, some people might say tomatoes, tomatoes. But I do feel like there's a difference. I do feel like there's a difference because I've got some Christian Donnies. In fact, some of my closest friends, yeah, we don't even share the same faith or religious practices. Some of my closest friends, like my, I went, even when I think about like my stepdad and all of these people. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, generally speaking, some of my closest friends are Muslim. I ensure to honor them and their belief systems in any way that I can. You know, like I, I do my best. And if there's ever a time where it's like, oh, could we not do this because da, 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 da. All right, cool. We don't do that then. I don't know. I just feel like, Anybody with sense and a soul and a heart has the capacity to hold space for other people's experiences and to respect those experiences so long as it's not bringing harm to anybody. So I just don't understand how some of you can just like really be flapping your raggedy, raggedy throats talking about things that you don't know anything about just for the sake of what? Hatred. And it's such thinly veiled homophobia and transphobia as well, which we don't speak about enough because this this Bible that you're banging on about, even the one that like wanted to do her or did her interview recently and had her guest on. Again, you don't know how to do interviews because ideally if that was a debate, you should have had somebody else arguing the other side. But oh well, future Oprah, sure. Um, but that person was talking and I have to talk about this gently because I do feel like maybe there are some mental health issues also at play. So I don't want to come too hard, but um, come too hard. I'm so immature Um, But yeah I don't want to go so hard When it comes to this But what I did want to say is that Even in that interview There were clear Like 
um, talking points that were transphobic and homophobic. And so when you're banging on, banging on about the Bible and what you think the Bible um, means and what it does, it also makes it very clear that you're also a homophobe and a transphobe, but you're just hiding it very well for now. Not even very well. You're just hiding it all right for now. Um, because you'll say that, but the Bible says, but the Bible says, okay, after the Bible has said, what, what do you think? What do you think? You don't know? Because I feel like in the last days of this podcast, I mean, you'll have it there to listen back to forever and ever and ever. And it'll be good for you, for those of you who need to go back and do some learning. But in the last days of this podcast, I just feel like it's good to just, you know, go out on a bank and just say things that need to be said and then forever hold my peace, especially when I'll be making content elsewhere. Um, but what was I saying? I enjoyed past lives. I don't know how I got into this, but, but past lives was good. I enjoyed the concept that it introduced me to in the Korean sense of Inyun, um, which talks literally about past lives and then the people who we, we meet in the in this life. What does that, why is that? And how does that play out in, you know, the future, whatever you perceive to be the future? It was fascinating. And I will watch it again, but I would give it a seven out of 10. Seven out of 10, because the pacing I feel was a bit off. Um, but ooh, in other news, Korean men, there are some Korean men that are fine. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, rotted. Maybe I need to start listening to some BTS and whatever else them tunes that you K-pop dons listen to. I think Jonathan's gone to Korea, isn't it? Oh, our bab. So I don't know about Tuesday, 5.55, you having the visuals of this out on YouTube, but we hope that it's possible, but we have to let our baby boy live his life, you know? But yeah, I want to get into a little K-pop something. If this is what the man them are saying, like, oh, yeah, I don't even know what they sing. But no, I've actually been sent some actual tunes. Like, I need to make a K-pop playlist of the th songs that I like so far that I've heard. But um, yeah. Yeah, I need to, I mean, I love, no, let me not say that because if somebody said that about black people, I'd be like, what? <laughs> but I'm just looking forward to learning more about Korea. Okay. That would be interesting. And before you start with, but they're racist over there. Can I, girl, they're racist everywhere. FYI. So then I was also, I was watching this cartoon with Lev, right? Um, well, he was watching, I was doing his hair, I was plaiting his hair for nursery. And I can't remember the name of it on his tablet, but I should have really looked it up. And this fish slash unicorn, I talked about this on Instagram story. So if you've heard this already, you already know what I'm going to talk about. This fish slash unicorn tried tacos on land for the first time. And it he described it as crunchy, but his family live in the sea. And so he wanted to be able, he went to his family and he was like, oh, I ate these things called, um, this thing called tacos and it was super crunchy. And obviously they don't know what crunchiness is because you can't really have crunch in the sea, right? It's soggy. And so he was trying to ex explain crunchiness and they couldn't get it. And so he wanted to bring them tacos to try, but obviously if the tacos come in the water, it's going to be soggy. So he's having this whole dilemma about how he's going to get tacos to his family. And then he realizes that he can make his bubble, the bubble that he wears around his head when he goes underwater, I believe he can make that bigger. But while he's stressing out, trying to make it bigger, it just pops and then he can't do anything with it. Um, so he's a bit disappointed. But anyway, later on, he starts dancing with his friends and having a great time. And um, while dancing with his friends, let me just make sure this is recording because this thing likes to be mad. Um, while dancing with his friends, um, 
his bubble just miraculously starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So then he realizes like, obviously, I guess joy is what makes that bubble bigger. So he's able to put the tacos in the, um, in the bubble around his head and then take it down to the sea for his family. And they're able to try the tacos. And then his mum is like, yeah, it's pleasant. It's like, it's cool. But his dad is like, oh my God, this is amazing. And so I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about how tacos to me, it's a metaphor for anything But for me specifically It was a metaphor about liberation Right How do you explain liberation Literally what I was just talking about there In terms of the um, occult And whether it's astrology tarot, Like how do you explain liberation To people who don't understand What that looks like Because the conditions that they exist within Liberation's not even a concept It's not it's not, it's, it couldn't ever be a possibility or, re, or a reality. So it's the equivalent of trying to explain crunchiness to somebody who's only ever lived in the sea, right? So um, thinking about the bubble, thinking about the bubble, how the bubble needed to be made bigger. And the only way to make the bu- bubble bigger was to experience joy and laughter, movement, all of those things. It made me think about the fact that like some people just aren't going to get the point. They're not going to get the point anytime soon. And so stressing yourself out, trying to make them get the point is useless. Instead, you prioritize joy, you prioritize peace. And through your practice of joy, peace and love, they get brought into your bubble. The, the the bubble is like your imagination It's your empathy They get brought into it The bubble of imagination and empathy gets bigger Because you're experiencing joy and peace, right? Because I feel like that's still a journey for me I'm not going to lie I'm not there I'm not all love and light Because sometimes I want to like Light some of your asses up But um, it's a gradual practice It's an incremental practice, right? Because it's only through there When you're able to invite them into your bubble For a little bit they understand what liberation looks like or what we're all working towards because we're practicing the liberation, right? We we don't know what it is because so many people are yet to have it. So we're practicing. Um, the whole thing about rehearsing, um, rehearsing freedoms, right? We, we, we're just figuring it out amongst ourselves. So um, yeah, I just wanted to share that cartoon concept with you all um, as we figure it out because sometimes some people just don't understand And that can be sad, but you've got to prioritize joy, peace and love regardless. I'm not going to do a tarot reading today because I quite literally, quite frankly, don't feel like it. Um, I don't feel to share my energy in that way. But we thank the most high that I'm actually here recording because I could have just not done that either. Um, Instead, I thought, why don't we look at some words that people have said about um, edge of here? Because... I feel like it is a big deal. And I think because of all of the things I've been going through, like personally and professionally, I haven't really, really had a chance to, I feel like a lot of the good moments for this book have been stolen for me, whether from incompetence, uh, lack of Jenny San Juan or fervor, or just people moving mad personally, professionally. It just meant I hadn't been able to celebrate in the way that I would have liked. But I did say that Kevin Morosky got me that beautiful bag. And there's been like cute little moments here and there. Um, but I'm just trying to just kind of get into the groove now. Some people, I don't know whether it's because of the anti-racism talks I've been giving giving during Black History Month um, with different companies or whether it's what I've been saying regarding Palestine, but some people have been going online and tr- just like leaving like two-star reviews 
on the book. It doesn't bother me because I know the book slaps, but it's just funny and how petty people can be. But anybody that's gone to do that, it will never be well with you. And I hope that at some point, if you accidentally end up underwater, that you just inhale really deeply and stay there. Um, But anyway, back to this. Um, Let's see what this says here. Um, This is not about... Oh, well, this is a lovely... Well, should I save that for Share Your Magnificence? I think I can... Well, yeah, I guess we're moving into Share Your Magnificence then because I don't really want to do a tarot reading. So we might as well just see what these letters are saying because, you know, they be piling up. Dearest Kalechi, warmest hello from Los Angeles. I'm not here to seek tarot guidance, though I do appreciate what you beautifully unearth for others. It's too easy to feel like the Dickhead and Recovery deck was made for me and I fully embrace it. I'm writing this shortly after you've announced your plan to end the SYM podcast next year. I seem to have a knack for finding and attaching to podcasts just as they announce their ending production. In between new episodes, I've started working my way back through the archive and have thoroughly laughed at your untethered Boris lambasting. Thanks. Always a pick me up. I also enjoy listening to the letters you receive from the many wonderful baby people who write in seeking advice and insight. As a baby girl, baby elder, staring down the barrel of 45 this month, I find that the guidance you give to 29-year-olds can be as relevant to those of us who still hang on to those earlier in life insecurities after 30, 35 and 40. That shit follows you for real, but it doesn't have to define you. To the beautiful baby people who are scared of turning 40, I get it. We carry the fear of not having accomplished what we'd hoped by the age, whatever the age is, until the success happens and we naturally end up attaching it to our worth. We are not what we do or don't accomplish. We are the legacy we leave behind. We are the lessons we learn and teach and the communities we help build. Do the thing, no matter where you are in life. I say this as someone who did the midlife career change after 40. Still struggling a bit, but definitely happier overall. Our entire lives are opportunities for us to remain students and stay learning. To do otherwise is to welcome stagnation into your life. And then you're where? Our lives are really too short to not fully try to create a better world. So thank you for all of the work you've done so far, Kelechi Okafo. I cannot wait to see what you accomplish next. And I loudly hope that a visit to Los Angeles, uh, Los Angeles is worked into said future plans. Definitely. May you prosper even greater and may your work reach every corner it's intended to without difficulty. I share. One other thing. Thank you so fucking much for standing up against genocide with your whole chest. The global creative community really needs all voices very loudly on deck. Did you know there are currently more than 20 countries listed as genocide emergency, including Palestine, Sudan, Congo, Ethiopia, Mali, Colombia and Afghanistan? I didn't. Then again, I'm in the part of the world um, whose tax, uh, tax dollars help fund it all. And that includes misleading journalistic practices. This country is afraid to face just how not free we are because freedom is our brand. We are truly afraid to know just how privileged some of us really are because to fully acknowledge one's own privilege is to make space for the guilt that some are too afraid to hold. Don't tell me we're free. Mass shootings continue with virtually no change to policy. We are not free. People here and abroad are staying staying sick and unhoused and violently oppressed. We are not free. People are still choosing to be silent in the face of unfolding and escalating extermination of se- several populations. We are not free. This country is having a moment of reckoning and we are not free. Yeah, America's going to have its Pluto return. So what now? Where do we go from here now that everyone's masks are off? 
I suppose we're about to find out. More reckoning might be in the cards. Again, thank you for all you do, and I wish you nothing but large success to come. Keep doing you always. The world sorely needs it. Blessings on blessings. Thank you. And you're a photographer too. Okay. Can't wait to see you in Los Angeles. Okay. Here's the other letter. Dear Kelechi, Edge of Here. What a poignant title of such a profound collection of stories. Before I even started reading, I felt that I would feel parts of myself within your pages. As I often feel at the edge of something I'm very much a part of. Whether because I do not feel seen or welcomed or do not know where I fit in, but less of me and more about your book. From the watchers where we meet Chinonso and Indidi, these souls are already um, these souls that already know each other in this post-pandemic world. Through your words, I could see their spiritual and physical beauty, and I yearn to be deeply known and seen in this way. I loved how there was still some tentativeness initially, even though, even through the knowing. I wondered how their story might unfold beyond the pages of the book, but knowing full well what they would that they would find themselves again. I had so many favorites. I don't know if you can call it um, if it's at least half of the stories. Before I forget, I loved how the stories were woven together, connecting so many characters and themes from beginning to end. I also feel that this is redundant to say, but black beauty all day, every day. The unapologetic, uh, the unapologetic centering of blackness in Nigerian culture should not need to be highlighted. But as a reader who loves to read books about black people by black people, I absolutely loved it. Ally Chip enraged me so deeply for so many reasons. The way you so deftly documented Ally Chip fatigue and how it was being reported and being experienced made my blood boil for the very reason of its truth and the deliberately blind way in which fingers were being pointed in the wrong direction. As an optometrist working in a hospital setting these uh, nonsense comments of Katerina and others to Emma and Dr. Mbatu reminded me of the daily quelling of casual racism from people who would um, offer to die to defend their very racist, non-racist ideologies. Um, hearing you read an excerpt from Blue made the story even more beautiful, particularly as I remembered the ethereal music that accompanied the reading. But I was not prepared for Ibi's story and the wonderful way that her and Folake are brought together in the end. Honestly, I cried so many tears throughout the whole book. Often I was entirely um, sure why. Whether joy, I was un, was not entirely sure why I think that's meant to say, whether joy or sadness or a myriad of other emotions, your words touch me on so many ways, in so many ways, I think. Uterus star, what a sinister twist. My heart broke after all of the anticipation of the girls for Aaliyah to find herself in such a hellhole. I keep trying to figure out who Rico was based on. Kanye West? <laughs> Woo! Woo! The other man. Ah, oh, my heart. Sadly for me, I saw something of me and Eve. Girl! I wouldn't have written it if I didn't see myself in Eve. Okay? I'm writing. The other man. Let me just say this. The other man is written from a place of being a reformed man thief. So I have to, I have to own my truth. For those who don't know why I write certain things. Because this is the thing. I don't try and take myself too seriously. I feel like sometimes I can come across as very severe, very intense, very serious. But I'm generally rather chaotic. <laughs> um, and those who know me deeply just know that I just fly by the seat of my pants like I just do whatever but the other man needed to be written and written with compassion like not judging Eve you know but also just writing what needed to be written but anyway back to this 
The other man, oh, my heart. Sadly for me, I saw something of me and Eve holding back for so long, only to entrust her heart to a man who didn't deserve it and wasn't free to give the love that he promised. Or maybe that's a personal fear of mine. But either way, what does it say about relationships and the validity of them? Does the joy that Eve felt not count because she found out Jordan wasn't the man that she was led to believe he was? Ah, but to find out like that in an ancestry search, oh, Kelechi, too much pain. How is she related to his wife? That would be telling. Nikki and Luke from Broom. Ha, Luke slash Wukash. How could I forget them? Luke is everything I fear in, as my sister puts it, race agnostic relationships. Luke and his pals are the worst, but those brooms, thunder, fire, their bum holes and the rest. But my absolute favourite was the last story you left us with, Councilwoman. I loved every word of this story. Simi and Huda in their youth and through the ages and seeing how Simi evolves as a person and a celestial being. I read this last one on a train at about 1am. I just cried the whole way through. Such deep love and courage I could only dream of and, and and boy, did you allow me to dream. I'm sure I'm not the only person who saw this, but for me, you are Simi and we are enamored to have you here with us on this plane for however long it is. Thank you again, Kelechi, for your gift of words. I could say so much more, but also feel like there is nothing else that needs to be said. Much love. Thank you, baby girl. Thank you. I love that. Yeah, Councilwoman is a mix of like, Councilwoman's interesting because Councilwoman is a mix of different aspects of me. So Simi and Huda are actually one person in my mind, in my heart. So Huda, I guess, represents my more outer facing, my more public facing self. And Simi represents the kind of spiritual, um, caught up in the physical realm aspect of myself as well. And, you know, when Simi says that one day she'll meet Huda again, it's it's that, isn't it? And that Huda being in another, in just being in another room and never being too far away, is, I feel like it's a representation of our consciousness, um, what we know and what we forget that we know. Um, but then also, apart from that, put into these women's bodies, it was um, a celebration of sapphic love, of queer love and, and wanting to do that. And um, I always find it interesting when people are like, oh, Kelechi, you're just such a great ally for putting these stories in. And I was just like, I've told you about allyship, right? Told you about allyship. I'm not an ally. I'm writing from knowing. Okay. If for those who needed it spelled out, but either way, hope that you enjoyed that. Um, and then who else? There was another letter that I saw that I thought was gorgeous. Um, oh, here we go. This is from our baby girl. Um, no, I don't know if I can say anyway, let me read it. I don't read a lot of fiction, mostly because my heart is so connected to my imagination and words on the page deeply affect me. The worlds that really great fiction authors build stay with me for a long time. Like I think about Lauren Olamina um, at least once a month and I um, read Parable of the Sower over a decade ago. That book broke me up inside so much that I'm terrified to ever read it again. Anyway, Kelechi, what you've done with these stories is really special. They are so visceral and present, but far away. Naturally, I read Watchers first, and then I skipped over to the other man. The line from the Watchers that I can't get my um, get out of my head. Rather than existing for answers, we are always hopeful that you might enjoy living in the questions. Breathe in and out of the unknown, because that is where the eternal wisdom you desire truly resides. Woo! This is so hard to do, 
but challenge accepted and good thing because you seriously left us hanging at the end of the other man. <laughs> I was momentarily frustrated, but then I smiled because I, I already knew Eve would click yes. Of course she would, especially after all of that packing. Lol. The pods. Do all the stories have them? Okay, don't answer that. LOL. But the pods are fucking scary because I know that is really some shit that could happen. And the way you explain them and how they function and the tech they use, just wow. It really does hit home. The characters I watched, the characters, I watched Rylane on your recommendation and it was fantastic. And when I was reading The Watchers, in my mind, Ndidi and Chinonso had those actors' faces. But beyond that, I love the way you wrote their story. It felt so much like a fable, like The Alchemist. I could hear the sounds of the market in my head. I love that you aren't over-describing things, that, but somehow I can see everything. Yes! And Jordan, you crafted the absolute perfect wasteman slash fuckboy. Ha! I was writing from memory. So wild. I've been tricked like that in the past. So yeah, well done. I've also to say that it's so special to hold a hard copy of the book in my hand and be able to write directly to the author and share my thoughts. So amazing. Thank you for this more very soon. So I love your real time like feedback as you're reading these stories. It means a lot to me. I feel like there are other um, letters that you sent as well. And I'm really, really grateful for them. Did I read this already? I think I might have read this love letter. Yeah, I think I did read this. But yeah, that's all I wanted to share regarding that, really. Um, it's been great. Um, thank you for sending your letters in. Um, and hopefully maybe next week, if I'm recording, I'll feel to do some tarot readings. But I've just, I feel like I'm spent because I've been doing one-to-one -one tarot readings all week. Um, sent out everybody's month ahead readings last week. Pardon me. And um, yeah, then I've got like emergency tarot readings to do and all sorts. So I just feel like I need to conserve my energy and I need to get to an event I'm speaking at for young women this evening. Yeah, so I'm going to wrap this up because I feel like I've been talking for a while now. So it's going to be a long episode just because I have, um, well, not long, but I'll have um, the interview with Shea Universe as part of this as well. But let's move on because I've really, really been talking. Shea Magnificence. I finally got to go to the new um, location for Chishuru. I booked a table for myself and Jonathan last week. Um, so Chishuru, as you know, is founded by Joke Bakari and I love her food. So when she was based in Brixton, I was there before she even opened in Brixton and you could order the food um, via, is it Dishpatch? I ordered that. It slapped. The goat ayamasha will forever be my favorite. Jocket, I'm begging you with the love of all of that. It's holy. Like Jesus of the goat meat, please. Can the ayamasha come back? I know that you said it might come back on a lunch menu, but I'm begging you, begging you on my knees. I'm on my knees, please. That goat ayamasha is a madness. So, um, but Chishuru has now opened in um, Fitzrovia, like Great Titchfield Street, I believe. Uh, I think it's where Faux used to be or Faux, Faux, or Faux might be next door. That colonizing thing. Anyway, but Chishuru, interior, gorgeous. It's so beautiful, so inviting, so like the energy is just gorgeous and the food, great. It's a set menu. Um, I think it's 65 pounds for the dinner menu. I think the lunch menu is 35 pounds. But everything that came out was banger after banger after banger. Jocket only cooks hits. Jesus. Beautiful. 
And I love the pottery that was made by a friend of um, Jockey's as well, I think. But Jockey, just big up yourself because you're a Nigerian woman really out here in the culinary scene that is predominantly white and male and you're just like fucking up the base. And I absolutely love that for you. I'm so, so honoured to be able to eat your food, to be able to like patronise your venues. Like it just means the, the world to me. So keep on. And the new cocktails. I have to come back and just try a lot of the cocktails. Not all at once because I'm not drinking in that way. But um, yeah, I want to try a couple more because I had a pineapple cocktail type of vibe when I was there, slapped. But there's a spicy um, okra one that I want to get involved with. I want to see what that's saying. Um, Would love some more non-alcoholic options as well, especially since we've got like the non-alcoholic gins now and, you know, Yeah, we've got more non-alcoholic spirits now So it'll be good to see that played around with as well With a little mingling of hibiscus or sorrel You know, just just hook us up But like the food that I had was beautiful The guinea fowl was beautifully cooked Um, I just enjoyed the whole thing And I look forward to going back They're not open at the weekend And once Jocket explained to me why they're not open at the weekend In order to honour the people who work there Who have like families as in children and things like that It makes sense, like you lot will survive you can eat there Monday to Friday, Saturday, Sunday, go find something else to do. It's not that deep. Um, so well, without much ado, I've said enough. Um, so big up yourself. Two slaps on your chest, jockey. I can't wait to come back. So anybody that's thinking of wooing me and the like, and you want me to be your friend, you definitely should be telling me, Kalechi, I'd love to take to love to take you to Shishuru. And I'll be like, yeah, okay, I'll come through. But obviously don't um be weird. Okay. So that's that. Um Let's get into the interview with Shay Universe. Shay Universe has a new song out called Love of My Life. I was talking to her about Passenger Princess because I love that song. Shay Universe, you would have remembered her from the live show that uh, we had at Sadler's Wells. Gorgeous voice. My God, her voice is phenomenal and she's such a baby girl. So go and enjoy the interview and I'll catch you in a bit. Baby girl, thank you so, so much for joining me again on Say Your Mind. Um, Not only did we have your incredible voice at Sadler's Wells, thank you so much for being a part of the live show. Like people love you so much and rightly so. You are one of the biggest talents that we have in the UK and it's so sick to be able to um, share this platform with you, whether it's the live show in front of all of those people or, you know, online here, you know, uh, talking to you again. Shay, baby girl universe. Shay universe, thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm doing great. Wow, that was such an introduction. <laughs> that was such an introduction. Um, I'm doing amazing and the energy you're giving me is just like, I love it. I'm bouncing off it. I feel good. I feel amazing. How do you feel? I'm good. I'm good. I'm in a great space. I'm always so excited to have people that I really, really enjoy on the show. And so it's great to be chatting with you. I thought, you know, this quick, quick fire conversation ahead of all of the wonderful things that you're doing. Congratulations on your coloured show. When I, I said yes, Britain Thank to the world. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. No, um, it goes without saying because you're just very, very wonderful. And looking at the trajectory of your career, I think what I find so amazing whenever I see you on socials, whether it's Insta or Twitter, I 
I live vicariously through you because I love seeing your firsts, like the first colors show. I love seeing when you went to, you know, just LA and just the excitement of all your first times. It's so wonderful. Like it feels like we're all winning with you. How has it been feeling for you? That whole process of like my first this, my first this, like you'll post screenshots of things and you're like, I remember when I said I wanted this and now I've got it. Like, how was that? Um, wow. Well, first of all, that is so kind and so sweet. And I feel like, especially in this day and age, it's so like special when you come across people who are able to live vicariously through you and are genuinely able to be happy for you, you know? Um, so thank you for that. And in terms of how it's been for me, it's honestly just been quite surreal, to be honest. Um, I'm one of those kind of people, I'm one of those people that just celebrates every step of the way. You know, it can it can be hard when you're a perfectionist and as a creative, you're always striving for more and you want, okay, what's next, what's next? But it's become increasingly important to me to celebrate everything that happens. Because at some point, even the smallest thing, I was praying for that, you know? And now these are things that are just being ticked off my list, ticked off my list. So yeah, it feels amazing. And I think as well, it makes me really um, be grateful for the groundwork that I've done. You know, I've really, it's not been a fast ascension for me. It's been a gradual process of me building. And it's in moments like these, when I'm celebrating my first colors or my first whatever, that I see the groundwork that I've done through everyone coming out and showing their support. So it's been amazing. That's wonderful. That's really, really wonderful to know. I want to talk about that groundwork really, really quickly because I can stand 10 toes down on the fact that your voice, there's nobody with your voice in the UK, your voice. I remember I came to one of Brent's events. It was the new black event. And then you were singing an Amy Winehouse cover. And I was just like, I think it was before you even went, you know, before people arrived, you were just, you know, doing a sound check. And I was like, sound check. Yeah. I was like, horror? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Okay, I'm invested. I am invested. I will not leave this place today. I'm invested. I remember. <laughs> I actually remember that so clearly. I was literally doing sound check, and then it's like you came into the room, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like, yeah, that was yeah, that was a crazy experience. That was the first time I think I met you like in person. Yeah, actually. that's the first time we met in person, and the vibe was just really, really vibing. Like your voice is phenomenal. I don't think we can tell artists like you enough. Like your control like your pacing, your tonality, like your power, but then at the same time, the control, like I said, control girl, just like your melodic kind of Jenny San Juan, the, the girls are gagged, <laughs> you know, they're gagged. So, but I hear in that church because I feel people learn that control in the church, right? And Absolutely. then I was reading and I was like, it's like your mum was the gospel, the, not even just the gospel singer. Your mum was the leader of the choir, right? Yeah, she was. And for a very long time, I supported her in the choir. And that's exactly what you said. That's literally how I formed my musical ear, how I guess I developed my voice and just my tonality and the musical choices that I make. It really all stemmed from church, honestly. Wow. It's it's beautiful. It is so, so beautiful. I wanted to speak to you quickly about Passenger Princess. I love the um, the metaphors. I love the metaphors in the song. Thank you. <laughs> I love it because it's like 
what part do we play in relationships? I, I'd love for you to speak to us more about that. But for me, it was just like, what part do we play in relationships? Sometimes we enter and we're just like, oh, I'm just meant to be in a passenger seat and this person is driving. Um, and sometimes we do backseat things, but this person is the one that's driving the thing where it's just like, well, no, like if what, like, I'm going to navigate something, like we're going to have to work this out together. Otherwise, this is going to break down. And then what do we do then? So please tell us the things. Wow, that is such an interesting perspective on Passenger Princess. I don't think anyone has made me like think about it in that sense of how do two parties in a relationship, how do you share that responsibility? How do you make it balanced and equal between you guys? Um, initially, Passenger Princess, it is a play on words because obviously, you know, everyone assumes a Passenger Princess is just a person that like sits in the front seat, looks pretty, you know, maybe has the aux cord, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... I wrote that song from a standpoint of literally what you said, getting to a point where I actually felt like I was no longer, it was no longer a shared, you know, responsibility between us. Like I was kind of just, I'm not sure if you've ever been in a relationship where it's like, it's not immediate, but over time and over time, things chip away at you and chip away at you and chip away at you until you're at a position or in a place where you don't really trust yourself as much as you did before. You're kind of just like, okay, well, I'm just going to, go wherever this is going with you, I guess. Um, it was honestly really about writing about that uncertainty. I feel like in this day and age, we're so expected to have the answers to everything, mm. especially, you know what I mean? We expect, especially as creatives, especially, especially as black women mm. too, we're just expected to have our sh all together all the time. And the truth of the matter is being human we don't always have the answers. And I think that's that song is also to create space to not know sometimes, you know, and not like burden yourself with that. So yeah, it's a complex one. It's a complex one. But I mean, I wrote this song, a lot of people seem to resonate with it. And um, thankfully I'm not there anymore. I'm a lot more sure of myself now. I'm not, you know, letting anyone else necessarily steer my ship. So yeah, we're good. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And this is what I think is beautiful about the experiences that we have that can be somewhat painful, um, that we gain art from it. We gain beauty from it as long as we gain perspective from it. Right. And so it really did. Like I played it over and over and over and over. And it really did make me think about the fact that a relationship is a vehicle. Right. And if you why does it have one wheel? <laughs> First of all, but let's say that it does like at any time one of you is going to be doing the driving because the other person might have a lot of on their plate and what they can do is probably look at the map for you or like you say they've got the aux cable and they're just going to give us vibes while we're on this journey but at no point should one person be you know as you say steering the ship or driving the entire time you have to take turns you know um, you're so poetic do you know that <laughs> Like the way that you're just giving these analogies is giving poets like. <laughs> but that was all you like I was listening and I, and just how you are. Oh, it's such a beautiful song. I'm saying that because listeners, if you haven't listened already, I don't know what you're doing. But if you haven't heard uh, Passenger Princess by Shea Universe already, please, please, please go and check it out. And creatively, what are we looking at? Are we looking at more live shows? Like, because America's hot on you now. They want you. I'm like, no, 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 but you've got to go. You've got to go. You've got to fly. Do your Girl, I got to go. I got to go. No, <laughs> no. Um, 
I love the UK, don't get me wrong. Obviously, mm. there's my roots and stuff. But I think, again, I want to, I definitely want to conquer a wider horizon. So mm. trying to break into the American market. I've already started to really, but really breaking into the American market is kind of my next venture now. In terms of shows, I actually don't really have um, any other shows for the rest of the year apart from... I've, I'm actually performing in Nigeria for the first time ever, yeah. which is, yeah, that's like super, super exciting. Um, obviously that's like my homeland and I'm a bit nervous because I feel like Nigerians generally, they're quite hard to please, you know, <laughs> and they're very, they're very blunt and very honest. So if they don't like you, Sha, you will know they don't like you. So, um, but, but I'm sure it'll be fine. I'll, it'll be fine. That's in December. Um, and then most of the things, honestly, start from next year, really. Okay. So Passenger Princess, um, the songs I've been releasing recently, the colours and stuff, all of that is part of a rollout. So I'm in rollout season right now. Mm-hmm. The project I have coming is top of next year. And then after that, hopefully, you know, a whole bunch of shows, maybe even some tours and stuff. So, yeah, I'm excited. Very excited. That's wonderful. And Nigeria, it's mad because when you were saying about, you know, conquering wider horizons and things like that, I was like, I need an Afrobeats collab. I need a sick Afrobeats collab. And you were like, I'm going to Nigeria. I was like, look at that. The synergy. We just, the vibes. The synergy, the vibes, the vibes. <laughs> but um, Nigeria will be a whole lot of fun. They will absolutely love you. You're gorgeous. Your voice is incredible. So... I know. Thank you so much. I, I know it's I know it's gonna be a vibe. So to close us out, thank you so much for giving us your energy. I don't know if you usually need to do vocal warm-ups before you do these things, but could you give us like a little line, a singing line from one of your favorite songs? I would I would hope for Passenger Princess, like I love that, but anything, just a little line that you can sing for us before you leave us today. Huh. Um okay. I'm actually not going to do one of my own songs, okay. funnily enough. But this is a song that I always kind of sing when I'm starting shows out because okay. this is one of my favourite songs. And it's a line from uh, Sweet Love by Anita Baker. So <clears throat> here we go. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm in love, sweet love, hear me Said I have no shame, I'm in love. There we go. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. (laughs) Whatever. Just leave us gags. Leave us without scalps. That is totally okay. You are in charge. We are the passengers. We are the passenger princesses. (laughs) You've taken our scalps. Have it. Have it. I'll just do a a little something. What? The runs? The the tonal shifts? Are we all right? I don't I would I need to check in on the listeners and make sure that they're okay. But honestly, thank you, Shay. You are a wonder and we're in full support of you. And I wish you like all of the blessings, all of the great things that all of your desires, your deepest desires as they align with your highest good that you achieve every single one. Like you have always been a star and I'm so, so glad that even more of the world is seeing the star that you are. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure and I just appreciate you. I appreciate (laughs) you so much. Thank you. Well, hope you enjoyed that. The vibes were really vibing and come on. I said, Sis, can you just sing us a little song? And then she just took off our entire scalp. Like, is that fair? Is that, Shay, is that fair? 
And I love your name as well, Shay Universe, because it reminds me of Steven Universe. And that's one of my favorite shows. I love Steven Universe. But, you know, the ethereal beings, the celestial babes, the celestial baby people, we're just out here doing what we do. You must have Pisces placements because that voice is a madness. Um, Wow. Two slaps on your chest. Shay Universe, thank you so much for coming through. Everybody go and stream Love of My Life. Also stream Passenger Princess because it's cute. And if you haven't watched The Colors performance by Shay Universe, definitely go and watch that too. So large up your chest. Wonderful, wonderful babe. Let's get into So You Mad. So, So You Mad, last week, uh, KC3, also known as King Charles III, the son of Lizard Breath, um, went to Kenya. He went with his side chicken residence, Camilla Parker, blow my back out. And they were visiting Kenya on some colonial nostalgia shit. And they were doing things, didn't really want to um, apologize for colonialism, but were stretching their haggard skin and thin lips to be there anyway, which I thought was really interesting um, because they said that they have, they've got a long running close relationship with Kenya. I wonder how that relationship was formed. Was it consensual? Was it consensual? Hmm. Um, but with that being said, it says here, one of Kenya's most senior politicians says um, moves underway to amend the country's defense agreement with the UK following the alleged oh, trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warning, the following the alleged murder of a Kenyan woman by British soldiers. Agnes Wanjiru was killed in 2012 and her body dumped in a septic tank. An inquest held in 2019 concluded she had been murdered by one or more British police, um, British soldiers. But 11 years on, no one has been brought to justice. To coincide with the vis state visit to Kenya, the family of Ms. Wanjiru wrote to the king, that's KC3. Kenya's prime uh, cabinet minister, Musalia um, Mudavadi, told Sky News that the death um, of Miss Wanjiru was regrettable and should never have happened. He said a joint investigation is still ongoing and said moves are underway to ensure any suspects cannot escape justice. Fam, it's been 12 years or 11 years. It's been 11 years. They very much have escaped justice, but in terms of what you're thinking, but you need to do better because how did they manage to do this for 11 years? And this is what I'm saying all the time when I give these anti-racism talks for various companies and somebody will jump in the chat and be like, but if I as a white person went to a majority black place and people were mean to me, surely that surely that's racism. No, no, because colonialism exists and existed. So even now with the um, police, um, why do I keep saying police? Because they're all one demonic force. no. With the British military bases that are in Kenya, that is still a form of colonialism, right? So Britain still very much has a hold on Kenya. So therefore, when a British uh, soldier kills a Kenyan woman, who's going to hold him to account? Because in any other, in any other facet, you kill that woman, they should flog you outside. They should flog you within an inch of your life. They should deal with you severely. But you could just do that. And then people are busting joke on Facebook pages about haunted septic tanks and the like. Colleagues of the British soldier. That, that is what we're deserving of. I'm going to need the African leaders to stand up. Stand up. I know it can't be easy because sometimes when you try to stand up, they shoot you and take you down. The, whether it's the CIA, whether it's the whoever, the MI6, them lot take you down because they don't want freedom for the African continent. They don't. But at some point, you all have to get together and say enough is enough. Because Agnes Wanjiru deserved better. And I remember talking about 
her on the show many episodes ago. A five-month-old at the time is, was then without a mother. Like, oh, they said in the uh, military court or whatever, during the military investigation or inquiry, that it was um, the British soldier um, who we just know as Soldier X was um, choking her during sex and it went left and then that's how she died. Explain the stab wounds, you bitch. Explain it, the stab wounds then. And so I think it's audacious, like it's it's audacious, it's caucasious that KC3 and Camilla Parker blow my back out can roll up in Kenya and you are the head of the Ross Clark military. Isn't that what they call you, the British military? You scarecrow. You are the head of it. And you can go to that country and feel like you don't have to say anything about a British soldier that killed this Kenyan woman. You don't have to say a word. Everybody's mad. I'll break one of this, uh, the legs of your chair. You'll fall down. Fall. It's like we're constantly, they're just play, playing in our faces constantly. And there's a point where it just has to stop because it's actually getting out of hand. Anyway, in other news, um, a black senior pharmacist has won a racial harassment case against Boots, the, you know, the store, the pharmacy, after a judge threw out a white colleague's defense that she could not have discriminated against him because she has black friends. Boots pharmacy technician Emma Walker argued she could not have discriminated against Samson, um, Samson um, Famojuro um, as two black Nigerian women went to her wedding and she's friendly with other black colleagues. But employment judge David Massarella found the fact that a person has black friends does not mean they cannot discriminate in other contexts. Look at her face as well. No, no, that's another somebody else. And um, people who defend themselves against accusations of prejudice by pointing to ethnic minorities in their social circle can still discriminate against them, the judge said. As such, the claim cannot be used as a legitimate defense, the tribunal concluded. Before we even go further, um, I just wanted to check in a little bit quickly, quickly, quickly. Emma, Emma, how many people attended your wedding? Just ballpark figure. Should we say 200? 200 people, yeah? 200 people attended your wedding. And then you had two black people attend out of 200, roughly. Okay, maybe we're pushing it. 150? 150 people attended your wedding. Yeah, I mean, they would have come through to come and eat some unseasoned food, maybe some pasta. I don't know. They would have just rolled through some like pasta that has no coating, no nothing. They would just come through. Um, lots of bread. But I love bread, so I can't really talk. But I like like warm, nicely made bread. Ooh, from them Turkish restaurants, they slap. Anyway, Emma, Emma Love, how many people came through? I'm I'm back in 150. Out of 150, two people were black. Can you see where I'm going with this? Can you see where I'm going? If you out of 150 people can only invite two black people, you're racist. <laughs> You're still racist. I'm so sorry. You still are. Even if you you had 150 people and 149 of them were black, I would still say that you're that there's still some scones gone there. I would still stand by it because it doesn't matter how many black people you have around you, you can still very much be racist. Anyway, um, I just wanted to check that because I thought that was interesting. Um, as such, the claim cannot be used as a legitimate defense, the tribunal concluded. 
um, Mr. Famojuro, uh, an experienced pharmacist of Nigerian origin, um, has now successfully sued the high street giant for racial harassment and unfair constructive dismissal and is in line to receive compensation. Rob this England. Get him. Get him, Nigerian king. Get him. Yeah, yeah. Go and open your own pharmacy. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was stereotyped as an aggressive black man and the harassment was so bad he was shaken and feared for his safety. The hearing was told, well done, well done. Um, the East London Tribunal heard Mr. Famojuro um, began working as a relief pharmacist, covering for the main pharmacist when they were absent in March 2012. On July 18th, 2020, he was assigned to work at the Silver Island Way branch in Wickford, Essex. Oh, oh, Essex. The pharmacist worked the shift with technician Mrs. Walker and pharmacy assistant Nicole Daly, two white women who were junior to Mr. Famojuro. During the shift, Mr. Famojuro was subjected to open insubordination because they don't rate you. They don't rate you. I was watching The Wonder Years, actually. Let me, I'll come back to this, but I love watching The Wonder Years on Disney Plus, um, like the remake of it with black people. And it's so cool. So um, anyway, one of the episodes I'm watching in season two the black women like the mum and her sister and her daughter they go to go and pick some berries where from where they shouldn't be picking berries anyway a black police officer rolls through and they're like one thing that's worse than a white police officer rolling up on you as a black person is a black police officer rolling up on you why because they don't really get to address um, arrest arrest white people so they take out all their vim on black people and i just thought that was interesting that even in a position of authority within this institution, within this establishment, these black officers were still not above white people. Do you see it? Do you see what I'm saying? So this is why I see in this case that some people, some white people just don't respect whatever level of whatever you've got. I've, I've heard about professors, black professors, who the white students will just speak to them anyhow, because as far as they're concerned, like, I can. It is what it is. They just have, they don't show any respect, any reverence. They don't give a damn. I've said it before. I've given examples before where people come to the studio, um, a studio that I've been running since 2016 that I founded and um, some white, um, you know, students will come through and they'll be like, oh, well done. Well done. Like, who are you talking to? Where's your studio? Beth, where is it? Anyway. Open insubordination, highly personalised abuse and Mrs. Walker threatening to call the police on him, the tribunal heard. The tribunal heard Miss Daly had refused to um, had refused a work-related request he made and snapped at him in front of customers. About 20 minutes later, uh, about 20 minutes later, Mr. Famojuro calmly approached Miss Daly and asked her for a private word. However, Ms. Daly claimed he had a very loud, aggressive tone and was in close proximity to her, shouting that she needed to leave. Ms. Daly began to cry and Mrs. Walker stepped in. Of course, she cried. During a heated row with Mrs. Walker, um, during a heated row, Mrs. Walker shouted at Mr. Famojuro and ordered him to leave, even though she did not have the authority to do so, the tribunal heard. Ha! Imagine that. Mrs. Walker phoned store manager Amy Monson, who is also white, believed the allegations without question and shouted at Mr. Famojuro down the phone saying, you're an utter disgrace for making Ms. Daly cry. See how white women gang up. Anyway, Mr. Famojuro ended up having to leave the store humiliated after Mrs. Walker threatened to call the police. He later felt if he had no choice but um, to resign from Boots after a lengthy investigation process, at the tribunal, 
Mrs. Walker said his voice was raised. He was shouting. He was loud. I was defending my colleague and me. We were two women. We felt threatened as women. He was aggressive. He was a bully. She also argued she didn't, she did not racially harass Mr. Famojuro. The tribunal report said Mrs. Walker told the tribunal that she could not have been influenced by his race because having worked with the company for 25 years, she made a lot of friends with pharmacists, two of whom were black Nigerian women who came to her wedding. One of them sang. (laughs) Oh, Lord. One of them sang. What did the other one do? Bring chicken? For fuck's sake. She also invited several Asian pharmacists to her wedding. Moreover, the full-time pharmacist in the store, Ms. T. T. Lockhand, was Mauritian. Um, the current pharmacist is Vietnamese. You sound like a census, like the census that they send out for us, the census forms for us to fill, because what are you doing? Judge Massarella ruled Mr. Famojuro was racially harassed. The judge said Mrs. Walker, Ms. Daly and Ms. Munson treated him adversely, both in front of customers and in their absence. The treatment escalated as the day went on from dismissive discourtesy to open insubordination to highly personalised abuse. Mrs. Walker's threat to call the police was most extreme of the acts. For a black man to be reported to the police for aggression against two white women in the absence of any third party witness is potentially a very serious matter indeed. We have no doubt that subjectively he found their treatment of him distressing and humiliating. By the end of the day, he was shaken and feared for his safety. Mr. Famojuro is an experienced professional of many years standing. He is a dignified, sensitive and courteous man. It was clear to us that the events of that day had a very grave effect on him. The judge dismissed Mrs. Walker's argument. Mrs. Walker, Ms. Daly and Ms. Munson made no overt racist comments. We have no reason to doubt Mrs. Walker's evidence that she is friendly with other black colleagues. But the fact that a person has black friends does not mean they cannot discriminate in other contexts. The tribunal found Mrs. Walker and Ms. Daly had given distorted and exaggerated accounts of what happened. Their repeated allegations of aggression could reasonably lead us to the conclusion that Mrs. Walker and Ms. Daly were stereotyping or racially profiling Mr. Famojuro as an aggressive black man when all he was doing was seeking to assert his authority in circumstances where they were undermining it, it said. Other claims of race discrimination the pharmacists made were dismissed. Um... Compensation will be decided at a later date. Get that money, King. Get that money. Miss Walker, Mrs. Walker and Miss Daly, you fucking idiots. Look at where you found yourself. Look at where you found yourself. Now you're costing Boots money because of your racism. Look at that. Look at that. Woo. Ugh. It's going to be much harder to pay off that wedding that you had two black people at when you have no job. Good luck. Satan's speed Because it won't be God's (laughs) Anyway I wanted to share that And then my last one For So You Mad Rich Paul So Rich Paul is the sports agent Like super successful sports agent Who has been with Adele You know the singer Never mind I'll find someone like you Well she found someone She found a rich man A rich black man She's living life Um, recently he was on, is it CBS? Well, I was going to say CBS, but he was on a show, morning show, promoting his new, um, autobiography, his memoir called Lucky Me, I think something like that. And when he was promoting it, um, he was asked by Gail King and two other presenters about Adele. 
And, you know, rumors that they're married because she referred to him as her husband during her residency. I think, was it in Vegas? She, she has a residency. She had a residency somewhere. And she referred to him as her husband. And she was recently seen wearing like a bling bling ring. So people are like, oh, did they get married? And, you know, they asked him about it. And he was very kind of like stoic, very direct, didn't want to elaborate too much. And the internet girlies and boyos, the internet people, them, the internet folk have been eating him up. They've been gobbling him up because they were like, men are embarrassed, like just embarrassing. How will you not claim a whole Adele? What are you doing? For me, I've always seen her ending up with a black man. You know, there's just some signifiers that you were just like that one. She was made for the blacks. She was made for the mans, the black mans. Um, but it's just, I don't know. I don't know. On this one, mm, 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 mm. on this one, I might have to disagree with the general public. Why do I say that? Because he's a Sagittarian man. One. She's a Taurus woman. I don't know their entire birth charts and I'm not asked to go and look it up. Um, and I don't want to see anyway. But the reason I say that is because as a Taurus sun woman, she's going to do best shine brightest with a man who's got his own money. So that's great. As a Sagittarius man, um, you know, he has a Sagittarius son. There was likely some kind of distance or detachment from his father. The son represents father in astrology. That's what I think anyway, or some kind of parental figure. There was some kind of distance because Sagittarius usually would see in the ninth house, foreign places, far, far. That's the vibe that I get anyway. Um, he will be far. He's a fire sign. She's an earth sign. So they work. But because of that distance, that detachment, I don't think that he would talk about his relationship in that way. He must have Scorpio placements as well because me or 12th house placements because me, you ask me the same question and you're going to get a similar answer. In all the years that I've been doing this podcast, I got married, moving to a divorce, had a son, my son's thriving, doing his thing. But have I come here to share my business with you? No, because I could talk about everything else without talking about that. So I've got, what is it? Um, I think Uranus and uh, what else? I've got some planets in Sagittarius. Um, but I'm just not going to come and share my thing. Saturn in Sagittarius, Saturn and um, Uranus I've got in Sagittarius. I'm just not going to come and share my things because it's none of your business. Like, and I also think like, let's go off what he actually said, regardless of the video and how he said it. Let's go off what he said. Um, well, as he says here, um, at this point, Adele and Rich have been together for almost three years. They were friends first and became a couple in 2021. Last year, Adele told Elle that she was head over heels for Rich. Beyond, she said, I've never been in love like this. I'm obsessed with him. Um, they've even sparked marriage rumors after Adele referred to Rich as her husband at her Vegas residency in September. Um, according to Entertainment Tonight, a fan had asked if Adele would marry them when Adele said, you can't marry me. I'm straight, my love. And my husband's here tonight. He's here. Guan Gyal. That's what that's just the start. So given how she's always gushing about him, fans didn't really appreciate his response when he was recently asked about her. Rich was on CBS Mornings last month um, to promote his memoir, Lucky Me, when he was asked about his relationship with the singer. He replied, she's been great. I think she would agree that we've definitely helped each other. 
He continued, I'm in a good space. We're in a good space. Happy. She's superb. Co-host Tony um, Docupil then said, Rich, she says wife and husband. You say she's been great. Seemingly trying to get more out of Rich. But Rich only said, she's been great for me. Yeah, we've been great for each other. I'm just not the kind of person to put my personal life. It's not for the media. It's not for the paparazzi. It's for us. Um, somebody called it embarrassing. Um, and people have just been going on about it. Uh, somebody wrote here, Adele has been telling the world she loves Rich Paul with her whole heart and being. And that man basically said, I mean, she aight, I guess. Um, but I don't think he said that. He said she's superb. He said, she's superb. He said, I'm in a good space. We're in a good space. We've helped each other. That is a very Sagittarian thing to say because Sagittarians, it's it's about higher learning. It's about growth. It's about mentorship. It's um, it's it's really about that. It's about um, progression, elevation. So the highest compliment I feel like a Sagittarian man can really pay her is to say, you have helped me grow, which is essentially what he said. And then if you look at her as a Taurus woman, she's ruled by Venus. So of course she's going to be like, oh, I love him. Whether she doesn't speak like that, does she? Oh, I love him. I love him. She's guzzly as cock. I love him. He's great. (laughs) Stop chasing pavements. Had enough of them. Yeah, like, so she's going to go for the sensual stuff. She's going to go for the sensory thing. She's going to talk about how he tastes, how he makes her feel. All very Venusian things. He, as a Sagittarian man, will talk. I mean, again, there are so many other facets to take and factors to take into consideration. Being a black man, she's a white woman. All of these things, like whatever their individual upbringings have been, of course, all of those things come into play. However, as a Sagittarian man, he's working with what he knows best. The highest compliment he's going to pay her is that we have helped each other because That's what Sagittarius is about. It's about the growth. It's about the learning and the weird sense of detachment. Like almost like it feels like a business deal or a mentorship program or a graduation scheme, you know? Yes, it's not like overly romantic, but, you know, he's given what he's got. And actually, controversiale, I would say that I'm kind of glad that he wasn't like gushing over her publicly in that way. Because people are like, oh, but... He's literally promoting a memoir. What does he mean? He doesn't want to share his personal life. I wrote a collection of short stories about love. And I still don't want to sit here with you talking talking to you about the ins and outs of my love life. Be fucking for real. And also, if you want to know about it, go and read the book. Because maybe he's put it in there. Or maybe he didn't. Maybe it's for another memoir. This one's lucky me. And then the the other one might be lucky you. Lucky us. I don't know. He might write it there. And luck funny because Jupiter ruled by Jupiter. Anyway, I digress. I'm kind of glad that he wasn't gushing because those snow bunny society men, the ones who swear that black women are bottom of the barrel, can't stand them. All of the things that they like to say, they would have used that clip over and over and over as justification about this is why we have to have white women because duh, 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 look how much happier he is and look how duh. and I'm not saying that he isn't currently happy right now but I'm just glad he didn't give them that soundbite I'm glad all you got based on your understanding is shi I guess because I don't want you to have any more that's not to say that a woman doesn't deserve regardless of race to be loved loudly but I'm just saying that I'm glad he didn't give you the soundbite that would mean that you come and cause stress for black women for at least seven months we don't want to know we don't want to hear it 
yeah, that's that's what I think about that. So that's my controversial take on the whole thing. And it makes sense to me. Finally, straw of the week, aka suck your mum. It goes out to that hawk face bitch, Suella Braverman, Braverman, whatever you want to call her. Why? The Home Secretary, because that's what she is. She's not the Home Secretary. She's the Secretary of um, Hell. She's the Hell Secretary. Is proposing new laws to restrict the use of tents by homeless people, arguing that many of them see it as a lifestyle choice. Suella Braverman's plan would introduce new penalties in England and Wales for homeless people who authorities believe have rejected offers of help. The plan was to stop those who cause a nuisance by pitching tents in public spaces, she said. Housing charity Shelter said nobody should be punished for being homeless. The plan is expected to be included in the King's speech on Tuesday, which sets out the government's legislative agenda and is expected to focus heavily on law and order, said like a fascist. Writing on X, formerly known as Twitter, Ms. Braverman said, Nobody in Britain should be living in a tent on our streets. There are options for people who don't want to be sleeping rough. What are the options? What are the options, you raggedy cunt? What are the options? People are struggling to get housing left, right and centre. All of these places are being built and they're just left empty. The monarchy have how many palaces? Like people are struggling. They didn't choose to just go and sleep out on road in a fucking cold in a tent as a lifestyle choice, you bitch. She said the government would always support those who are genuinely homeless because there's a way of being, you know, not genuinely homeless and faking homelessness or faking houselessness. Um, But added, we cannot allow our streets to be taken over by rows of tents occupied by people, many of them from abroad. And you're a lying cunt for that as well, because the majority of people who are sleeping rough are white British people, because you're trying to tie in xenophobia into your fuckery, because you know that the British psyche, the moment that they hear that somebody is a migrant or anything else, they are willing to say no humanity for them. Yeah, do what you need to do, not realizing that they're playing themselves in the long run. So you're using the British public's xenophobia to play them against themselves because there aren't many of those people because you're not letting them in because you're letting them drown in the channel, bitch. She added, what I want to stop and what the law-abiding majority of us want to stop is those who cause nuisance and distress to other people by pitching tents in public places, aggressively begging, stealing, taking drugs, littering and blighting our communities. Uh, but this sounds like your government. Um, aggressively begging, Stealing, taking drugs, littering and blighting our communities. That sounds like your that sounds like your cabinet. <laughs> so what now? Unless action is taken, she said, British cities will go the way of places in the US like San Francisco and Los Angeles, where weak policies have led to an explosion of crime, drug taking, and squalor. I hope that Kamala Harris slaps your face. That's what I hope. But what you're pointing out here is the is the re, real-time repercussions of white supremacist ideology and capitalism. That's what you're pointing out. It's not weak policies. It's the fact that if you mean, if you say that these groups of people, this small group of people are going to have a lot, it means this large group of people are going to have nothing. Keep up. Keep up. Yeah, that's how it works. But here I am explaining economics to you, you sour-faced cunt. Anyway. Um... Polly Neat, Chief Chief Executive of Shelter said, 
Living on the streets is not a lifestyle choice. She added, homelessness happens when housing policy fails and boils down to the people not being able to afford to live anywhere. People can't live anywhere. People are living in their cars. People are struggling out here. But you come out and say all of these things because you can call something a lifestyle choice if you're so far removed from the choices that people have to make. The things you do are, are, are a lifestyle choice because of the privilege and the money that you have. The other things that the rest of us do is out of necessity. So, Suella, I really just want to pray over your life that destruction and misery should find you immediately in order to, to, to get you to cease this behavior. Because I don't know who is funding you and Keir Starmer and David Lammy, but you have all been moving mad. Moving mad. Rishi Sunak including. You, you lot have been moving mad. And it goes to show what money can do. Because you really, common sense out the window, um, compassion out the window, empathy out the win window, integrity out the window. At this point, just break the fucking house down. It's a mess. But anyway, that's me. That's all I wanted to say. It's been real. Um, so yeah, obviously, Suella, suck your mum through a straw that's filled with acid. That's all I wanted to say. Um, but yeah, I've been Kelechi Okafor and this has been S-Y-M, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? That's right, suck your mum. You can do all of the things, buy the book, leave a review for the book, hopefully good reviews. Um, get yourself some stuff. There are no more shows. You don't have to worry about any shows. And um, yeah. Obviously, like I said, support Shea Universe, the babes, the babe. Support Shea Universe. And yeah, well, I feel like I've rambled on enough. Thank you for listening. I hope that you're actually well. I didn't check on you, friend. Friend, I hope you're good. I hope you're listening or watching this and I hope you're good. And if you're not good, I understand because the world is up in flames, baby. But I hope that this has brought you some jokes, some laughter somewhere. And if anything, I hope that we can move towards hope together. That's all I wanted to say. Anyway, I'll catch you on the flip side. Peace. It's the Ben's Brunani woman is Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this Baby sit down, sit down, receive this realness Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sippy, yo Hard time scrolling for your long trots You might learn something you never know Collect you find, and she's one of a kind Don't say you mind, say you mind